On this week's episode, we talk about medicine and the media. Darren, welcome to the Everything PA podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Rogers, Doctor of Medical Science, PAC. Thanks so much for joining us again this week. Um, this is a podcast created by PAs to provide a little bit of unique perspective and some cool creative stories regarding anything and everything affecting PAs today. Please check us out anywhere you get your podcasts. Also check out our website, everything-pa.com for more information, uh, episode lists, information about the hosts and guests, etc. Also, we have an email address where you can contact us, contact at everything-pa.com if you have any suggestions or ideas for future content or questions about what we've talked about in the past. And then last but certainly not least, we have uh, Instagram. We're on the gram, as they say, everythingpapod.com. Uh, so check us out, uh, try to give little snippets and heads up about what each week's episodes will be about, um, and highlight some of the stupid, uh, stuff we talk about on this show. So without further ado, getting into it, medicine in the media, um, big topic, um, might do one or two episodes on this, depending on how crazy we want to get. But, uh, just one of those things where I was sitting and thinking about, um, things to talk about and things that are on my mind. And this is always something that comes up, particularly in the current world that we live in, uh, where COVID-19 is still an issue, um, even, you know, two plus years into the pandemic. Uh, recording this episode in May of 2022 for the record books. So it's still a big issue, something that uh, is talked about by anyone and everyone, whether they are an expert or not. Um, as a matter of fact, in my humble opinion, it seems that we hear more from people that are definitely not experts than we do uh, people that are. Um, the issue beyond that is that even the experts don't know this because this is new. And so it's it's difficult for uh, healthcare providers and PAs and docs and NPs and everybody as well as the general public to really wrap their head about around kind of some of this information. And so that's really, I don't really want to talk about COVID specifically. I feel like that has been exhaustively discussed. Um, and I really don't want to get any more into that. Um, cause again, I'm not an expert. Um, so that's really the big thing there, but really more of what I want to talk about is how public health plays with, um, the media and how people digest that information, where they get that information, and some of the issues that cause us. So two parts as always. First thing we'll talk about is just in general with uh, major public health issues like COVID-19, uh, influenza pandemics, uh, and epidemics, endemics, whatever. Uh, and then, you know, things like vaccinations with measles and mumps and, and that sort of thing with kids and the concerns about vaccinations that some parents have that are um, unfounded. I want to come out very early and just put my stance on the record with that and that uh, vaccines are safe and effective. Um, there's lots of research behind them. Um, they are much safer than most of any of the other interventions that we do in medicine. And so, um, yeah, that's the stance on that. Don't really know what else to say, but just want to be clear about that. So get your vaccines, everybody. Um, so the thing that I think is a little bit crazy about public health is that it's a very difficult task and that you're trying to take something that's extremely complex that takes people's people uh, years and, and, and careers and lifetimes to really try to understand, which is the human condition and, and particularly pathophysiology and the disease process and the, the, all of the things that can go wrong with the human mind and body. And you, you take something that takes, you know, 
again, decades to understand, and you try to distill it down into a flyer or a quick 30-second commercial or, you know, a general phrase that you can say, such as wash your hands and that sort of thing. Um, so it's an extremely tall task in public health in general. Then you add into it uh, divided country and divided politics and divided nation as far as how we all think and digest and our outlooks on the world. And it gets even more difficult. Um, and so I just, you know, I find that public health is extremely fraught with issues and very difficult to execute um, effectively. Um, there are examples where it has been ton, done terribly. There's examples where it has been done wonderfully. I mean, the biggest one that I think of is uh, vaccines. Again, you know, the original uh, invention of a vaccine and then eventual eradication of polio in the United States and many other countries in the world. That's really the biggest example. Um, one of the crowning achievements of public health, you take something that is uh, out there and hurting people and killing people and, and causing significant morbidity and mortality, particularly among children, and you introduce a simple and effective medicine that essentially gets rid of it. I mean, that is really the basis of public health. That's the goal with anything um, in public health. And so that's a huge um, crowning achievement there. And then there's examples where things have not worked so well or things, uh, examples where things have caused significant long-lasting damage. And I think COVID-19 would maybe be one of those where we are living in history in that you know, we don't really know how this is going to turn out, but there's already being, uh, I'm sorry, already visible signs of significant damage that this pandemic has caused. Now, can we put all of that on the public health system? Of course not. There's a thousand different things, as with anything. But specifically for this discussion, talking about public health, I mean, that is a concern and that, you know, the messaging, in my opinion, was a bit mixed early on. It came from different places. It was confusing. There was some political division. And that created uh, people making choices not based on science or not based on their own best interest or the best interest of their community, but rather on opinions and thoughts of other people that maybe were not the best people to be taking their advice from. And so that creates issues. And so a lot of it then comes down to how is this information being disseminated? And a lot of it's coming from uh, the media. And so you, you have to not only take into account where you're getting your information, but what the motive is behind those who are propagating that information. Um, I mean, take, for example, this exact podcast. You have to understand that I'm a PA, so everything that I'm talking about comes from the PA skew. If you were somebody that didn't feel like PA should even be practicing, then you're probably not going to agree with much of anything that I say. Um, and that's okay. Um, but you know, you just have to understand kind of where these things are coming from and the motivation behind it. Um, I think trying to lay out a clear explanation about something that's very complex is obviously difficult. And then you add into that the time constraints and the attention span constraints that are with modern life. And so trying to create a message that is succinct and accurate, but also uh, really gives you the full picture of what's going on and also keeps one's attention is uh, very, very difficult. And so um, it's obvious as to why there are campaigns that work and campaigns that don't. Um, and so that's a frustration um, being in the healthcare field. You know, you work really hard to get accurate information and then be able to provide it to people. And you hear people coming in with all sorts of different things that are just simply not true. Um, and 
sometimes there's been plenty of examples where I, I could say, man, I don't, I don't blame you for being concerned about that or feeling that way because I looked at what you looked at and that would be concerning or that article was scary and it does seem like they kind of had some evidence to back that up despite the fact that I know better and know that they, they really don't. So it's, it's a difficult, uh, difficult issue. Um, I'm rambling a little bit and I fully understand that, but I don't really have an answer to any of this stuff. I guess I just wanted to talk about it. Um, hopefully some of you will reach out and, and kind of give your opinions through our contact email address and we can kind of address those things in future episodes. But that's really a big piece of it is I, could, I get concerned about the, the uh, dissemination of this information and, and I'm not an anti-media person, you know, I mean, obviously um, I like... I like being able to share information with folks, and so I, I like the idea of the media, and I think a lot of the mainstream journalists do a very good job and, and are um, almost valiant in their efforts to try to disseminate accurate information despite a lot of the other noise that's going on around them. But there are pressures to make sure that you portray this information in an interesting enough way to keep people's attentions, and you have to worry about ratings, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's all sorts of things that go into play. Um, and so I think there needs to be a little bit more emphasis on simple data-driven information, even bullet point information, um, and less about the conspiracy theory or the one-offs and that sort of thing. The flip side of that is that on the medical side, one of the things that I love about science and our profession is that we do have to be transparent and we, we all should strive to be transparent. So if there is a side effect or a bad outcome, you know, we need to not try to shy away from that or hide that, but rather we need to spotlight that so that we can correct it and make sure it doesn't happen again or figure out why it happened in the first place. Um, the, you know, the example again, going back to, I told you I wasn't going to talk about COVID, but here we are talking about COVID again. Uh, when they found that there were some concerns about blood clots with one of the vaccines, uh, that information was disseminated. The medication was halted for a period of time until they could study it again. And then they uh, released all that information and then re-released the medicine. So that to me is a huge <clears throat> sign that researchers, scientists, medical professionals are always trying to do the right thing and trying to do what's in the best interest of the greater public. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about the scientific method and medicine in general. Um, so I think we all need to stick with that and look look to science as a beacon of light um, and a, a, a compass for truth or whatever you want to say. I know that sounds really verbose, sorry, but I'm super fancy, so that's how I talk, I guess. So that is kind of my brief thoughts on just medicine in the media. Um, one other little side note, a pet peeve, if you will, and I don't know how many others of you listening feel about this, but advertising medicine on TV drives me friggin' nuts. I can't stand it. I think it's completely inappropriate. I don't think it makes any sense. Um, you know, there's probably one or two instances where somebody has heard of a medicine on TV and then they went and talked to their doctor and it helped them. But I just can't imagine that there is really a big enough benefit from the millions and millions of dollars that need to be spent in order to market these things to account for that. And I think, you know, the joke I always tell my patients when I'm talking to them is, you know, don't buy the brand name of X medicine, um, get the generic, because you don't need to pay for their marketing department. 
And I really feel like that's true. I mean, I think there's just not a lot of reason or a lot of room for advertising cancer drugs. You know, if you have non-small cell lymphoma or lung cancer, whatever, I'm not a cancer expert either, I apologize, but it just doesn't make any sense to me why these medications need to be advertised on TV. I don't get it. I mean, obviously, I guess I get it in that the drug company is trying to bring more patients in, trying to get patients to talk to their providers and maybe even pressure their providers into prescribing them these things. But if you're going to advertise, I mean, I guess maybe advertise to the providers so they at least know this medicine's there, but really it should be in the literature anyway. These drugs are in the pipeline for years, typically, particularly some of these really complex, high-power cancer drugs. It's not like we're not aware of them. So why in the hell do they need to be on TV at the five during the 5.30 news? I just, I don't get it. I'll never understand it. That's a major, major, major complaint that I have. It's a pet peeve. So I will shut up now and we will move on to the second segment, which is a little bit more fun talking about sports injuries. So hopefully if you listen to this and you like sports like I do, playing sport ball, sport ball matches, if you talk about the latest sport ball match at the water cooler um, at work, Hopefully you'll enjoy this, so hang tight for just one second. We'll go into that second segment here just after this break. Welcome back. Thanks for hanging with me. This is the Everything PD Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Rogers. So second segment, talking about medicine in the media, talking about sports injuries in the media. I think... um, this is one that's just a little bit more interesting and a little bit more fun to me, so it's less heavy, not COVID-related, not cancer drug-related. Um, so if uh, you know me, you know that I'm a huge Phoenix Suns fan. If you're a Lakers or a Spurs fan, I'm sorry. You'll have to unsubscribe or whatever because uh, I'm a big-time Phoenix Suns fan, have been for years. Uh, I'm not a bandwagon fan. They're quite good right now. I was a fan even when they weren't good, so just save those comments as well. Uh Anyway, um, Phoenix Suns star Devin Booker had a hamstring strain uh, early on in the playoffs here. Um, And the media jumped all over it, and there was this controversy about some people came out and said, well, he's going to be, you know, uh, two to three weeks. And there were others that said they'd be reevaluated in 10 days. And there were others that saying, oh, you know, this typically this injury is one that requires X number of days or whatever. And it just kind of showed me the the gap between folks that cover sports and the folks that cover sports injuries and actual real-life sports medicine um, where things are not in a vacuum. Um, granted, you know, professional athletes heal and recover differently than the average Joe on the street because they have different resources. They have the ability to devote all of their time into their body because that is their job versus the rest of us that have normal jobs where, you know, you maybe don't have 24 hours and seven days a week to have a physical therapist and a trainer and a nutritionist work on your rehab and recovery. But I just found it interesting that, you know, they're making these comments like things happen in a vacuum. And so really, I mean, if you're a PA that's listening, which I'm assuming most of you are, regardless of what specialty you're in, this obviously applies most directly to sports medicine, but this counts in anything, family medicine, you know, emergency medicine, any other GI, general surgery, whatever, 
you know, you can read a textbook and learn how something is supposed to recover, but then it's really more up to kind of the whole clinical picture. And so I always found it interesting, you know, the, the talking heads or whatever you want to call them coming on and say, oh yeah, well, he's going to be out two to three weeks. Well, sure, maybe. I mean, I guess that, you know, it, it just depends on the injury. And so it just never really made sense to me for them to kind of come out. But that goes back to what we talked about in the first segment, where you have to sort of think, where is this information coming from? And what is the motivation behind this information? Well, the motivation behind this information in this particular instance is, let's make a headline, we got to have a headline, we got to have something. And then, you know, the beauty of this is we can get, you know, we can keep coming back and we can give updates on, oh, he was at practice today, but he wasn't doing, he wasn't jumping off that leg or, you know, so it kind of keeps everybody interested and, and, and it kind of follows. And there's there's journalists that have kind of gotten their names made by injuries and recovery timelines and that sort of thing. So it's just sort of an interesting phenomenon. So I think, you know, it's something I do want to talk about more as this, sh- as this show kind of evolves and we end up talking more about kind of fun stuff and what myself and my co-host Chris Stone like to talk about and like to think about. We'll probably be covering more things like sports injuries and that sort of stuff. Um, so just to kind of wrap that up, you know, okay, so the bottom line was Devin Booker had a hamstring strain, questionable two to three weeks. Well, the guy's a freak athlete. He gets 24-7 care, and so he comes back, I think, in about 11 days. So, you know, it's just one of those things that we're tell- it just lets you know. You, you just don't really know. You have to know the whole clinical picture. So if being on the outside is really irrelevant as to what we think or what the normal timelines are or whatever. Now, the one thing that they did do that I think actually was somewhat educated was they said, well, in the past, he's come back from these injuries for this long or that long, whatever. Well, that that makes some sense, I guess, in that that talks about kind of his, you know, recovery ability and that sort of stuff. Um, But, and, and his commitment to coming back from injury, but every injury is different. It wasn't even, it was a different side. It was different area you know, to get into the weeds a little bit on the sports med side, because that's what I love is, you know, if you watch the the play where he pulls up and has pain, he has pain at the distal aspect of his hamstring, not at the proximal aspect, that's much less worrisome. Proximal hamstring, you can have, you know, a vulsion type injury that can occasionally be surgery, specifically if you're a professional athlete and a high demand athlete, that's something where you might end up getting that fixed surgically. Distal hamstring, much less likely, not impossible, but much less likely. So there's little things like that, that you just, you listen to them on TV and you're just like, oh, that just, it just makes me cringe because they just don't know what the hell they're talking about. And, you know, I guess if I was reporting on other things with regard to sports, I wouldn't know either. But the one thing I do know a little bit about is the injuries. So I think, it's, it just all kind of comes back to my basic point with any sort of information you get regarding healthcare, whether it be sports, you know, fun things like that that we like to follow, or important things like epidemics, pandemics, public health, vaccinations, all that stuff. Make sure you get your information from credible sources. Make sure you think about, you know, critical thinking, such an important skill, something that hopefully we all learn as we get older. Uh, through both experience and education, critical thinking, understanding where is this information coming from, what is the motivation for this information, why are they trying to disseminate this information to me, how do I need to interpret this, and then that will allow me to make a decision or to have an understanding or an argument or whatever uh, based on that critical thinking. So such a really important piece. So that's really, that's it. That's all I got. It's kind of a short episode. It's a solo episode. If you have a problem with it, take it up with Chris because he's off busy being a businessman so he's not been available to have that back and forth with me as much recently uh hopefully 
Uh, we're going to keep these things coming and keep them coming weekly. Make sure you tell your friends. Appreciate all your time today. Thanks so much for sticking with me on the solo show. I'm getting tired of hearing myself talk, so I better sign off. So uh, everything PA podcast, subscribe, review us, please. We'd love to hear feedback, even if it's bad. Totally get it. If you don't think this is, if you think this is dumb, I get it. Let me know why, and we'll see what we can do to fix it. Um, contact at everything-pa.com is our web, uh, or I'm sorry, our email address. So please make sure you reach out to us if you have any uh, issues. Appreciate all the support uh, through all the downloads as well as on Instagram, everything PA pod. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to take you out uh, and we'll let you get back to your day. We'll see you again next week. Thanks again. And as always, go get them. Um.